You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. to another episode of Your Dose of Death podcast. As always, I'm Lauren Rosenberg. Thank you each and every single week for listening to this podcast. It really goes a long way. And of course, before we get into today's topic, as always, I got to thank my sponsors as always. First of all, Crimson Mask, giving me with that awesome free promo for free shipping. If you put in the code shoot gimmick, it goes into the Grateful Deathmatch and Crimson Mask Collaborative Barbed Wire Baseball Bat is a great little shirt for all all who are Deathmatch fans around the world. So put in that shoot gimmick promo code for free shipping. And of course, cannot talk about Crimson Mask without Grateful Deathmatch. As always, put in that promo code of DEATH. Gets you free shipping anywhere. Again, that promo code is DEATH. And as you see by the title today, I am doing a little mini Insane 8 preview. But of course, I couldn't do a preview of Insane 8 without talking to one of the participants. A guy who basically one year ago came out of absolutely nowhere to take the deathmatch world by storm with his appearance in Insane 8. And now a year later is looking to claim the Insane 8 title and... Turn the deathmatch world upside down again. Of course, I am talking to the honey badger, Neil Diamond Cutter. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing pretty good. Still uh, a little messed up from my match Saturday with a with a newer kid. So I'm <laughs> a little, little hard. <laughs> you know. Well, at least you have a few days to recover until Insane 8, of course. Um, Insane 8 kind of near the end of the summer deathmatch season, of course. A big tournament nonetheless. You yourself were a finalist in last year's Insane, which really was a surprise to many. But now looking a year back, what was your experience in last year's Insane? I believe that was your very first Insane, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, when I actually got back into deathmatch wrestling in like 2018, I started talking to this function and trying to uh, get in on it. And because of my location, he's like, "No, oh, we really don't fly dudes out." So that was that was his reason for not a. Uh, booking me for it but over time we just became friends and eventually i moved back up to the midwest and uh started doing shows for him well the pandemic hit and shut everything down except for i think icw and like spot shows here and there yeah that were outside, and uh really kept the indies alive during the pandemic because it was death matches we don't give a fuck we'll just do it whatever it <laughs> these are not <laughs> you know we're deathmatch guys like that's what we do um and like everything became hyper focused on deathmatches and finally dysfunction was like you want to be in it i was like hell yeah man tournaments are my jam you look <laughs> back at my, my first couple years in deathmatches like i was in tournaments constantly and i was getting at least to the second round in most of them um and like being able to face dysfunction was was an awesome bucket list kind of thing first time working him uh, and then I faced Oren in the second round, and that was, oh, 
uh, like looking back at that match was just bonkers on what we what we were able to put together kind of on the fly because we had no time to like talk at all. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the finals, I just I was like, I'm not in red enough, so I just ended up having a car wreck with Schlack, and I complained about the time limit of it. I'm like, you go through that much shit in eight minutes, and tell me if you want to get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, ne- I I'll never forget the photo someone took of you after that tournament, and you're just dripping red, like, and you just have this menacing face, and you're like, and I just sat there, I'm like, this is a breakout performance. This is a performance that we'll look at for a very long time, and this is Neil Diamond Gutter. Essential Neil Diamond Cutter. And, I mean, the the history for you speaks for itself. A year later, you're back in Insane 8. Um, we'll get to your matchup shortly, but let's just put it out there. Um, if you haven't seen the field for this tournament, it's a very, very eclectic field. Some new names, some seasoned veterans who are back from last year's tournament. And, I mean, some of the best in Bryant's and Deathmatch Wrestling. So I just want to kind of go through the field itself, and I want your thoughts on the field. Of course, Akira, Alex Colon, Jeff King, Schlack, Mickey Knuckles, yourself, the late edition of Vic Capri, and, of course, um, the Wizard King, Orin Vite. When I read that field out to you, what's your first kind of thoughts on that field? Car wrecks all around. like uh when you look at the field like the odd man out is Vic but to be honest I've seen him a few times and he strikes me as the type of dude who's a wild card like he might actually make it pretty far you never know you know tournaments it's kind of any given Sunday to use a football reference yeah you know tournaments anything can happen you know Danny Havoc got taken out of uh Carnage Up 7 Tremont took his spot you know, like just bizarre things happen like that, man. And you could possibly see Vic come out of it on top just because he's the new fresh face and no one's seen him work in the deathmatch scene yet, really. Well, the rest of us have a lot of experience and, and uh, you know, have been in plenty of tournaments before. Yeah, and I think um, this Function's Facebook post when announcing Vic for this tournament was a real eye-opener to me. I I didn't even know he's been from my neck of the woods here in Chicago and has worked Chicago style wrestling. And I saw the pictures they posted, and it was these skewer spots. I'm like, oh, this guy's kind of done this stuff before. And I had I had friends who say, oh, I didn't even know he really did death matches. So this really yeah. could potentially be a coming-out party for Vic. But – um, nonetheless, so we do have to talk about these matchups. Let's first get to yours. You, sir, are of course facing off with another hard- hardcore deathmatch icon, uh, former another your dose of death alumnus in this tournament. I am, of course, talking about Mickey Knuckles versus yourself. Um, of course, I just want to point out that the stipulations are. I've not been able to get the stipulation, so I have no idea what in the world the two of you have in store for us, but two of you have both been around a very long time. I believe this might be the very first time you two have met. Am I wrong there? Yes. I have actually wrestled Mickey three times. Oh, wow. Two in tag team matches and one, one where I didn't even hit her. (laughs) 
They <laughs> never kicked her, never did any, didn't body slam her, nothing. And that was because the whole uh, story at the time was that Neil doesn't hit girls. You ah, know? okay. I've been kind of allowed to do my own thing and just kind of be more me. I'm all about the equal rights, equal fights. So I don't care what gender you are, what race you are, how old you are. Like, it doesn't matter. We all bleed the same. So just bring it on. And I, I, the only thing I can say in one word, that match is going to be bloody. I would expect nothing less from the two of you. I know Mickey Knuckles as well has kind of had a resurrection of sorts this past year. It has been almost nearly everywhere and anywhere you can possibly imagine. And the two of you, I think out of all the matchups that I've seen looking at my notes, this is probably the one I'm the most excited for because I really don't know what we're going to get out of a Neil Diamond Cutter versus Mickey Knuckles in 2021 of all things. We've already had some crazy moments in deathmatch wrestling. Why not have two icons of their generation go one-on-one, and this time hopefully a real bloodbath will occur. But, of course, um, looking at the rest of this field, of course, for the third time only, Akira versus Alex Colon is going to happen. And this time on the grounds of ICW Milwaukee and the, the insane eight tournament. How do you see this one playing out, Neil? I really don't know. After, like, the only match I saw of theirs was, uh, I think, their first one. Yeah, so that match horror story for ICW No Holds Barred. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, I don't watch them live, and I don't really watch wrestling after my full shows <laughs> or anything like that. But I did watch their match, and it just seemed like a car wreck from beginning to end. He's been he's had a very up and down kind of year. You know, he wins some, he loses some. Uh, like he's very inconsistent. But if he can get hyper focused on the goal, which is get winning the whole thing, he's got to be able to go hard the whole time. You know, uh, when he, I was in the asylum deathmatch tournament with him, yes. and uh, I faced him the day of uh, ICW and their round two. (laughs) He already round one, and then he had to deal with me and then go through the rest of the tournament. And I saw a wounded fish, and like a shark does, I went right after him. You know, I saw the cut on his arm, and I was like, I ain't stupid. Like, you're going to get mean, mean Neil now. (laughs) And uh, he was able to pull through and actually win the whole thing. So, you know, just like Vic, he's a wild card, man. He could very well be Cologne and be a primarily favorite to go to the finals and win. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely been an up and down year. I think you summed it up almost perfectly with Akira. I mean, of course, master of pain this year, as well as asi- winning Asylum, um, winning two deathmatch tournaments in one. I mean, if he could pull off three deathmatch tournaments in one year, that'd be one hell of an accomplishment. But of course... Um, we can't count you out either. I mean, you you have the experience in this tournament. You understand this tournament very well from top to bottom. And, yes, the, the names may change. The stips may change. But, I mean, you seem to have the upper hand um, in this. But, of course, moving on, last year's winner, Schlack, is facing off with old-timer Jeff King. Jeff King, um, it, it's definitely been a year. I know he – when was a dad for a little bit, but he seems to be back. Of course, um, last year was um, victorious against Akira 
in round one. And now he's back and, of course, has a very much taller order in the public animal number one in Schlack. Um, I'm assuming this is another car crash. Oh, this is a meat grinder, bro. <laughs> exactly what Schlack is. That's just going to be covered. Like, I'll be surprised if they're not both covered in blood. I will be <laughs> very, very surprised. Jeff <laughs> leaks like a fountain. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff King is his blood tolerance is low, but he is a gutsy competitor, nonetheless. A guy who has um, been around a deathmatch game for a little bit, but to get the call back to Insane Eight once again, this is really um, one for the books, I believe. And I mean, Schlack, how do you feel about Schlack's chances this year of repeating? Since it seems to be the narrative in deathmatch tournaments. Of all these repeat champions, of course, Eric Ryan with King of the Deathmatch has won it two times. Alex Cologne has won Tournament Survival three times in a row. That's, a, a, as I've done the math, nine Deathmatches in a row for a single tournament. I mean, do you think Schlack potentially has a shot repeating? Well, there's always a chance for that. And how beastly that Schlack is, like, you can't count him out at all. The dude is... <laughs> is a moving meat grinder. The dude will chew you up and spit you out. Like seeing um, like Atticus, like carving his head with a tube and him just grabbing another and eating it. Like, (laughs) like the dude doesn't know what pain is. And like, yeah, like I, I can see him definitely getting the big win on this one too. Like really look at anyone and they get, anyone could win this tournament really. Yeah, definitely looking at this field, this tournament is definitely an even playing field, even if you have the returning champion, even if you have someone like yourself in the finals, even if you've had a guy who has won Insane 8 before. And, of course, this segues perfectly into the last matchup of round one, the Wizard King, a former ICW Insane 8 winner himself, Orrin Veidt, faces off with the newcomer, Vic Capri. He's a two-time Dude, yes, that is right. Uh, I do, I do remember that two-time insane winner. Yeah, last year he was going for the three-peat, and uh, some local guys came out. And <laughs> some local guys, I could, don't even remember, but <laughs> they helped uh, you get to the finals. <laughs> yeah, I was already unconscious, so <laughs> I, I was just out. And all I, next thing I know, it they're raising my hand saying I won. I was like, "What? It's over? It's all over? Right. What?" But yes, um, black and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> but yes, Orin Veidt, the two-time Insane Eight champion, will be going up against the the new entrant, um, late edition Vic Capri. Um, you've you've been very high on Vic Capri since we've started talking. Um, what has been your experience with him? I, I know you said you've seen him a couple times, but what, what do you, what are your thought, initial thoughts on him being in this tournament? Uh, first, just surprised because like, I've never seen him do something like this. Um, I always, I've only known him at a uh, ICW Milwaukee and like, we, we very rarely cross paths, but when we do, he's always super polite, you know, uh, very respectful, uh, and very knowledgeable. I overheard him talking to a few younger kids and like, he just went over certain basics that, that everyone needs to learn over time and like just had a lot of wisdom to him. 
And then the bell rings and he becomes a fucking psychopath. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that dude has definitely the switch. He knows how to turn that on and off very easily. So, like, I, I just like wild cards, man. Like, I'm, I'm the type of moron that thinks the Bills are going to win every year because I want them to have a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> guys who lost four of them. Yeah. You know, like, my heart just goes out to them. <laughs> so, I, I like wild cards and I'm always an underdog. So, in this, he's the lack of a person with the least amount of experience in tournaments. So, he's the underdog technically in the whole thing. And, like, I want to root for him, but if he cross my pass, I'm going to stab him in the face. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to ask you this since you did talk about the fact that you're that um, you were an underdog last year. What's your is, is your mentality a little bit different this year heading to insane eight now that you've had it under your belt now that you've been able to say yeah like I've I've withstood three rounds of insane eight and managed to make it to the finals versus the human meat grinder slack. But now I think you have a chip on your shoulder. I mean, does your mindset change a little bit? Didn't change from last year at all. It's I'm in it to win it, man. Like I don't give a fuck who's in my way. Like I have to run over Mickey knuckle or try to run over Mickey knuckle. Pretty hell of a fight. But if I got to go through Mickey or whoever else, that's the way it's got to be. You know, I think um, me and Schlag have wrestled three times now. And each time something fucked up, something fucked up happened. Like he almost took out my eye. I almost took out his eye. <laughs> he, I could have bled out last year in insane eight. Like, yeah, all these things have happened to where I think I could literally stand toe to toe to him now and actually be able to put up a fight to where it's not just going to be an easy win for him. Same with, with Oren. I took Oren pretty far in our match. He just you know, went up on me and I lucked out with the locals. Um, so like, but still like Jeff King gets in my way, like I'm going to have to do whatever I got to do to, to win, man. Like I just can't, it, for me on a mental mind state, it's, uh, very poetic because it means I've literally come full circle. You know, last year, my, my name got out there because of the insane eight. Wouldn't it be poetic if the very next year I happen to pull out a win, like, you know, my motivation is very, very high. You know, it took me damn near 18 years to get to the point I'm at to where people look at me and respect me and say this and that and mainly good things. You know, it, it's nice to know that that I can enter in a tournament and everyone thinks I'm, I could actually win. Like, I know a lot of people who are pissed about uh, uh, Bobby Beverly beating me in the first round of uh, sickness. They're like, <laughs> what? Like what yeah um that is definitely one i think many people were very up in arms about i mean it shows a testament to the people support you and it shows that yes yeah, like neil diamond cutter is a man of the people and the people will love you back as they say so it definitely is interesting hearing you say that you are have a not a different mindset, but a more poetic mindset. You potentially be on top um, of insane A. I mean, considering last year you were the underdog, you were the one no one really had any idea about and came out of absolutely nowhere to be in the finals. So, I mean, my next question is, um, is there any concerns in the back of your head 
heading into Insane 8? No. <laughs> no concerns? Not any at all? No. No, man. Like, with the field we got, I have no concerns. Like, uh, it's going to be hard, but anything worth it in life is never easy. So, like, I, I'm going balls in, balls deep as fast and hard as I can because I know that's what it takes to, to win a tournament. I've only won three or four tournaments, mm-hmm. and, like, three of them, I only did two rounds, so I didn't really feel like they were really all that big of wins. <laughs> but, like, you know, that's just my mentality. Like, um, Slave of Death, they gave me an invite last minute and they were like, we'll just put you in second round. And I'm like, but then it's not a real win to me, you know? Like, I didn't do first round, but I get a buy. Like, what am I, the uh. Patriot? Like, <laughs> oh, man, like, I'm not that special. Like, let me earn it. And they're like, no, nah, no. Nah. So I ended up only doing two rounds. And I, I honestly think that's why I won Slave of Death last year. And I'm going <laughs> back. So I, I'm going to try to repeat there uh, after hopefully I win Insane 8. Like, I got the eye on the prize. I'm on a real hot streak right now. Like, if you don't count Masada, I've won, like, 12 matches straight for some shit like that. Like, Masada's been the only dude who's been able to beat me, and I've been facing legends left and right at ICW, you know? So, I just need to keep picking up those wins, and that it all leads into tournaments, basically, for me. Tournament season is, is my favorite time of year. Because it means I can do a shitload of death matches and show that I have high endurance and I'm durable. And most of the time, I don't really get taken out in the first round. So, like, I I, I think I got the right type of momentum going into this that I could really pull out a big win and get my name even more solidified as a top death match dude in the country, at least. If not the world, you know? Yeah, um... As they say, the numbers don't lie. I mean, yeah, look, thinking about wa- having watched you for the last year, yeah, you've won year 12. Other than that, of course, Masada. I mean, but you, but even in a triumphant, I mean, a loss, you still push Masada to the absolute brink. And, I mean, it, it just happens sometimes. But that felt like a match that, has been the culmination of years work for you. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Of course, many people know you as the original Prince of the death as well. He, he was not impressed with that. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only, like without my glasses, I can't, uh, everything yeah. comes kind of to me. Uh, so like when I'm looking across and that's the only like time I've seen his face, like crystal clear. And it was like, Totally not impressed. Like, I'm going to beat your ass kind of look. I was <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> this is what I wanted for the last 11 years. Yes. Yeah. Finally. So it's, it's crazy um, that you were the original Prince of the Death match. And of course, you, I mean, you face off with previous winners of Prince of the Death match. Just kind of taking a sidebar from Insane 8 for a minute. Um, what was it like facing Atticus Koger? on multiple occasions and of course the two of you can your both of your claim to fame being the original prince of the death versus the guy who just won prince of the death when it came back for the first time in a very long time yeah uh well they i think they did them all the way up to like 2017 i think 
Yes, and then Atticus won last year. So it was the first time in like three, four years. Yeah, like at, to me, Atticus made it important again to be a prince. And like uh, until that, until he started doing that whole current Prince of the Death, I was like, well, I'm not going to bring up Prince because there's no reason to, you know, mm-hmm. since I've mentioned that people look back at my my history with IWA Mid-South and I'm like, holy shit, he's been around for fucking ever. <laughs> so it instantly adds credibility to me because like most people who know from back then, like it wasn't all sunshines and daisies and shit like, yeah. In there and they're testing you they will beat the fuck out of you and that's what they did so facing older guys like doesn't bother me at all because i'm like no i've been beat up by some of the roughest people on the planet like no nah, i'm good whatever just hit me yeah <laughs> so well, well yeah i know it, it, to me it's definitely a big thing i mean considering you were the original prince of the death match i mean that's a big thing and especially now that prince of the death match has made a triumphant return these last few years um so i mean now to insane eight i mean there's a lot going on today there it's it's uh, they made it a whole day's worth um so something i've always wanted to ask you is neil like what is your mindset before a deathmatch tournament like is there anything you do specifically is there anything that you yourself do just to kind of prepare for what's going to be ahead of you? Uh, hmm. That's actually a really good question because I don't really think about it all that much. Like, um, it, I guess it really depends on the day because, like, sometimes I'll be standing on the other side of the current and my heart will be pounding a million miles a minute. But then other times I'm completely cool, calm, collected, like not a care in the world, don't really – have anything to be worried about very carefree kind of attitude so it it, it varies uh for the most part i try to listen to uh and this is gonna sound stupid when i'm sleeping in the car on the way uh two shows and turn uh-huh. usually i'll have headphones on yeah and i'll the god smack Ooh. You know, oh i rock. can dig i can dig it i can dig it well the, the most recent album uh when legends will rise like yeah that's the I'm listening to he just okay. has smooth uh, tone in that that it just <laughs> me to sleep, you know. And the songs are, you know, cookie cutter, you know, number songs, but <laughs> it's smooth. It gets the point across. It's not exactly. five fingers, you know. They're bad, <laughs> but like I, I, I really don't have any uh, kind of ritual or anything like that. You know, I might uh, like squat down to my knees and like think for a second of like all I've done to to get to that point or um you know just take a moment to myself to soak in what's what's about to happen what could happen and what most likely won't happen and just just really live in the moment I guess and just let everything melt away if I can if I'm nervous I'm just standing there at the end of the curtain just staring at it <laughs> well, I, no, I, I, I definitely appreciate the fact you're listening to Godsmack before Deathmatch tournament. That's definitely a first that you don't, you don't hear that a lot. I know everyone else has their kind of like rituals and all. It's like, and it's just Neil in the just listen to Godsmack. It's like, yep, that's that's about right. I'm one of those people who legit like listens to everything. Like, you put some Adele on, mm, I'll jam out to Adele. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, what is it? Like hip hop is basically what I'm not really into too much because okay. it's, a lot of it's just white noise, 
You know, it just yeah. sounds like. Uh, and I'm a '90s kid, so I'm all about the gangster rap and shit. Oh you yeah, Tupac, oh, yeah. yes, DMX from back in the day. Like, yeah, that's my rap jam. But I I can jam on like pop songs and Lady Gaga and baby metal. Yeah. And, you know, like Megadeth and shit. So yeah. I can jam on anything, but for some reason that Godsmack album just knocks me out. Like I can <laughs> ass out in the car and not not be woken up for hours. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, it's very appreciated you answering the question the way you did. I think it's it's interesting getting, like, especially for my listeners, getting that backstage kind of feeling of us. I mean, a deathmatch tournament is a deathmatch tournament for a reason. You're not just doing one and done. You're doing potentially up to three matches in a single day. And I think for insane, I mean, it's, it's insane, no pun intended, that, I mean, you're – going out there i mean these are car crashes of death matches i mean you've seen some incredible matches through the years there you've seen orn Vite get put over by matt truman you've seen him put on a match of the year candidate with john wayne murdoch and what was the first of many great matches with those two you've seen yourself literally come back and shock almost shock the entire death match world and make it to the finals with Schlack, which I don't think anyone had on their insane brackets that year. No, I'm pretty sure once I beat Oren, I broke everyone's brackets. <laughs> I, sure I would say so. I would say so. There, there's very few people out there who were like, yeah, I knew you were going to make it to the finals. And I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> no one did. <laughs> no, you didn't. Everyone thought my pit stop was at Oren. Everyone thought Oren was going to stop me and he was going to repeat. It's, and I got it's... lucky Locals, so. Yeah, and it's funny looking back at that match, and I'll never forget the moment where he decides just to plop you on an inverted chair. Oh. <laughs> and it looked like the most painful chair spot I've ever watched in wrestling. I'm not kidding when I say that. And I just, I watched my laptop screen that day, and I was I was almost in sheer terror. I was like, Neil, please be careful. <laughs> But but you survived, and I mean, it's just the resilience you had in that tournament was unlike anything I think anyone was prepared for. I mean, that chair spot is almost near iconic because that was just ruthless almost. I, I gifted it, and I uh, posted it on Twitter, and I was like, Neil deGrasse Tyson, let physics defy this. <laughs> he never replied, but you know fun hey it's all for fun and games and um you know i know you're not about fun and games having to do insane eight and i know that your first round matchup is going to be one for the ages um neil it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast and it's i mean i've watched your career over the last year i didn't even know who you were a year ago but now Almost the entire world knows who you are now. How does it feel um, knowing that people are watching you almost every single show and they're like, that's Neil Cutter. He comes out to Sweet Caroline. He's a badass. <laughs> well, uh, actually, uh, Rafe and uh, Joel Bateman from Australia are the ones yeah. who kind of let me know that the world was kind of watching because I, I became good friends with both of them uh, through their podcast and just talking to Joel in general. Um, and they're like, no, dude, like, you don't understand. Like, 
we watch you guys to see what's going on. You guys think Japan is innovative? Like, we watch you to see what fucked up shit you all will do. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, like, uh, up to that point, I, I had a little bit of, uh, I guess, imposter syndrome. Because I, mm-hmm. two or three, I was like, why did it take this long? You know, I just doubted why, why all of a sudden people knew who I was, despite Insane 8. So, like, at, at first, I was like, oh, this is weird. Like, now everyone knows who I am and all this. Like, it's kind of bizarre. But Joel and, and Rafe were able to get me kind of out of that mindset when they're like, no, dude, like, trust me, people in Japan know who you are. Like, there, there's no denying that. And down here in Australia, the only three names that were brought up to Joel was John Wayne Murdoch, Alex Cologne, and me. So yeah. I was like, that's big. That's awesome. And I've always wanted it to where you see my name on a card, you're going to be like, fuck yeah, that's going to be awesome. It doesn't even matter who the opponent is. As long as you see my name on there, you're going to be like, that's going to be a barn burner. That's going to be a car wreck of some sort. So that, that's what I've always wanted. And now it's, it's gotten to that point. I'm like, hell yeah. So all I can do is keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully survive long enough to see 40. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I hope you survive till 42, my friend. Um, as I said, Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast. Of course, I mean, you're a legend in your own right. Of course, Mr. The, the OG Prince of the Deathmatch, in a way. Um, a man whose your reputation has um, grown over the years. But um, as we're wrapping this up, I always like giving my guests the um, time to just plug their stuff. Um, say whatever they want to say. Um, that time is now for you, my friend. So if you have anything, um, like any merch you want to plug, anything like that, the floor is yours, my friend. Uh, you can get any of my T-shirts at deathmatchworldwide.com. Corey's a great dude. He'll get the shirts out to you most likely within two weeks. So he's a uh, real point, real good. Um, what is it? On Instagram, I am NDCPOD. For some reason, it won't let me load it up on my phone. I don't know why. <laughs> talking with me uh on twitter i'm fearless neil and uh yeah if you got dumbass questions please please uh tweet them at me i like interacting <laughs> with you. so uh but thank you for having me on uh uh it was funny rafe uh was like yeah people say he's odd and you don't strike me as odd man you strike me as a normal person <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you're, normal. you're not odd uh... So. Apparently, Ray. Oh, Rafe. Rafe is a good friend of both of ours. I mean, um, I always like putting over everyone who um, helps out in deathmatch wrestling in any way, shape, or form. And I mean, Neil, you have contributed more than your fair share. And um, I again, I wish you the best of luck at Insane Eight. It's going to be an incredible tournament. I hope those of you who are going to be there um, enjoy it, and those of you who are going to watch on. Um, whether it's IWTV or buy the DVDs on SmartMark, you get ready for an awesome tournament. Um, guys, again, this was an amazing time with, of course, the Honey Badger himself, Neil Diamond Cutter. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, from Neil Diamond Cutter to Lauren Rosenberg, we are signing off. Have a good rest of your day.
This has been a Countout Podcast.